Thanks for checking out the Lakeshore Podcast. If this is your first time listening with us, we want you to know God loves you. We want for your hope in Jesus to be renewed and for your faith to come to life. Wherever you are joining us from, we hope this message encourages you. First uh, Timothy chapter 4, we're going to do a little bit of uh, a bouncing a little bit here, uh, and Genesis chapter 1, but um, we are on our third uh, week of the series called I Have Questions. And this has kind of been a mini-series, I guess you could say, um, with our objective um, not really going after at, at this point to kind of address some of the hot topics, subjects of the day. But instead, we've kind of been focusing um, on the fact in, in 1 Timothy chapter 4 uh, that calls out um, these doctrines of demons that have been systematically kind of built into our society that um, are kind of uh, attempting to push kind of this postmodernism ideology. And really, it's out to erode our biblical worldview. It wants to destroy it. It wants to completely eliminate it. And so what it's doing is it's basically trying to exchange absolute truth for subjective truth. What that means is basically, you know what, you have your own self-truth that kind of fits your own narrative. Uh, people are very much into that these days where it's like, well, hey, this is what I believe. It fits my narrative. This is the way it lays out for me. So I'm going to go with that. But they disregard the absolute truth, which is God's word, right? And this has been kind of gaining some steam. I mean, our strength it has been gaining kind of this momentum in our society, but we want to be able to be a church. We want to be able to be a people of God that would be able to discern the sign of the times. To be able to look at it and be able to say, okay, wait, 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 wait. That does not line up to what I believe Scripture has to say. And so last, the, the first week of the series, we kind of um, uh, started with affirming God's openness to us coming with questions. Because sometimes people will feel, oh man, I can't ask God these questions. They're just too either too deep or too whatever they are. Yet God is like just anticipating and wants each one of us to come to Him and say, God, I got a question about this. What do you have to say about it? What is this? What, what is this all about? And He is eager. That's the best thing. He's eager to be able to answer that. But we learn too that the way to approach that is in humility. Humility. Not coming with a kind of a sarcasm or a sarcastic kind of view or whatever. Yeah, God, you said this. What's up with that? No, it's in humility. Lord, I don't know everything. But I know through the Word of God, through the Spirit of God, I'll know it. Because you want to give it to me. You want to, you want to talk to me about that. And then last week we talked about, we just addressed the vital role of absolute truth where one can with absolute certainty trust the Bible. Amen? Yeah. That is the a final authority on truth. God's Word. Right? And this postmodern will come to you and say, well, you know what? Uh, how can you trust the Bible? I don't think you can trust the Bible. I just don't think you can. It can't be trusted. It's not true. But we kind of talked about and kind of maybe even gave us a little bit of um, uh, maybe tools in our tool belt to be able to say, well, no, but this is why I believe that the Word of God is true. Because 
in all of us, we all need a solid foundation, wouldn't you agree? Right? Because when a, a foundation is cracked, then you know what? Opportunities for things to get in can happen. So if our biblical, our stance, our trust in God's Word has cracks in them, guess who's coming? The enemy will come and he will try to get into the crack and he will try to cause more havoc and wreak more havoc. But see, our goal is, is for us to grow and be constantly growing in God's Word, in, 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 the, in spiritual things, so that, you know what, we don't have cracks in our foundation. Because when we have cracks in our foundation, this is what happens, 1 Timothy 4, um, 1 through 2. Because we become vulnerable. It says this, now the Spirit expressly, man, I messed that up last week too, says that in latter times, you got it, you guys are all English scholars, um, says that in latter times, some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron. Okay? Now, I haven't looked at this yet before, but the word doctrine, notice it's plural. It's doctrines. So there's multiple things the enemy is bringing to the table that you and I as believers need to make sure that we are aware of, but then also scripturally sound enough to be able to navigate those, those, those things. This, this propaganda, you, you could say. All right? So what it does is it builds this, this masterfully designed package to make it attractive and appealing to the listeners. So Paul kind of just used this word to tell Timothy and us, right at the end of the age, seducing spirits will be working through people. Be working through people who are deceived themselves to masterly present these errors. And, we, and like I said, if we don't have a solid foundation, then we'll, we'll find those things attractive. Or maybe, oh, well, yeah, I guess I can see that. Yeah, I, I've used this before. Oh, we're supposed to love everyone. Okay, well, I'll love you despite your living in sin like big time. Yes, you love them, but you don't let their sin rule, reign, and you allow it into your life as well. Does that, does that make sense? Okay, but sometimes we feel, well, we're supposed to love everyone, Pastor Scott. But that, that's true, and we'll get into that in, 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 in another message. That's very, very true, but you know what? We cannot allow these kind of uh, erroneous ideas that come in and even um, you know, perpetrate our heart, take away from what, what is real. And so we notice, too, that it's in culture everywhere, right? It's in literature, it's in art, it's in entertainment, uh, kind of even cultural feelings. Feelings are so important these days. Have you ever noticed? Just like, oh my gosh, you hurt my feelings, you know? Um, and, and you don't try to hurt feelings, but I mean, it's just so out there that people, everything is about feelings, right? And what's even worse is it's gotten into spiritual things. It's gotten into things, um, like I've told you guys, I, so I'm, I'm just kind of a Facebook stalker. I don't really get on Facebook that much, but I just kind of scroll through or a Twitter thing. But man, you just look and you see even churches giving into this ideology of, you know, hey, it's just, it's just wrong. I'll just stop right there. It's just, it's just, it's just wrong. And so we've got humanism and secularism you know, in this currently, this kind of what we call wokeism. But it's all begun because, you know, way back in Genesis 3, 
when the enemy came to deceive Eve. Now, with that kind of fresh in our minds, let's look at another area for today. We talked about last week about God's Word. Well, today we want to kind of look at where these deceiving spirits and these doctrines of demons have infiltrated, and really that's within our educational system, our educational system. And so um, today we want to kind of lay a foundational piece that God is the originator of all things. So the title for today is, How Did the World Begin? How did the world begin? And in Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, it says this, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was out without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Now, have you ever noticed in that context right there, in that opening verse of Scripture, it makes no attempt to prove or make a case for God being real. It just says, in the beginning, right? God created. Because that's not really the goal of Genesis. That's not really, really the goal of the whole Bible. Because it, it, what, what it is is the fact that, you know what? You would be crazy, Right? You would be foolish to consider any other explanation for life other than this intelligent and intentional act of a divine creator. That's what the Bible's saying. It's not having to lay it out and give, okay, God you know, was born on this day or whatever. I mean, these, there are certain things we just don't understand. This is what Psalms 19 says, verses 1 through 4. It says, The heavens proclaim the glory of God, the skies display his craftsmanship. Day after day, they continue to speak. Night after night, they make him known. They speak without a sound or a word. Their voice is never heard. Yet their message has gone throughout the earth and their words to all the world. What a beautiful psalm. What a beautiful psalm. I mean, here we have David. He's indicating that creation itself points to God as the one who made heavens, and the earth. Yet, we still have those who say, no, whoa, whoa, wait, 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 slow down, right? They continue to kind of challenge this Genesis account. And in Romans chapter 1, kind of best describes what happens when, when people challenge this. It's kind of this tragic negative ramification of this challenge. And, and I, want to, I want us to read, it's kind of a long passage, but I think we can get through it. It says this, Romans chapter 1, verse 18 through 32. It says, But God shows His anger from heaven against all sinful, wicked people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Now, remember, this is, this is those who just disregard God. Say, God, God's not even in the map. He's not even real. He's this. But then Scripture is telling us that this is what happens. This is what overtakes. It says, suppresses the truth by their wickedness. They know the truth about God because he has made it obvious to them, right? Through what? Creation. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky. Throughout everything God made, they, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. Can you imagine when people get to heaven and they go, I didn't know you were real. And God's like, man, my, my, my heavens, my sky, my earth, all of it has been speaking and declaring me. 
That's not an excuse. He says this in 21. Yes, they know God, but they wouldn't worship Him as God or even give Him thanks. And they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. As a result, their minds became dark and confused. Claiming to be wise, they instead became utter fools. And instead of worshiping the glorious ever-living God, they worshiped idols made to look like mere people and birds and animals and reptiles. So God abandoned them to whatever shameful things their hearts desired. And as a result, they did vile and degrading things with each other's body. Do you see what a godless society, where it's going? Verse 25, they traded the truth about God for a lie, so they worshiped and served the things God created instead of the Creator Himself, who is worthy of eternal praise. People like, you know, worshiping themselves. Think about that. People have turned to worship myself about who I am. Verse 26, this is why God abandoned them to their shameful desires. Even the women women turned against the natural way to have sex and instead indulged in sex with each other. And the men, instead of having normal sexual relations with women, burned with lust for each other. Men did shameful things with other men, and as a result of this, they sinned. They suffered within themselves the penalty they deserved. Since they thought it was foolish to acknowledge God, He abandoned them to their foolish thinking and let them do things that should never be done. Their lives became full of every kind of wickedness, sin, greed, hate, envy, murder, quarreling, deception, malicious behavior, and gossip. They are backstabbers, haters of God, insolent, um, proud, and boastful. They invent new ways of sinning, and they disobey their parents. They refuse to understand, break their promises, are heartless, and have no mercy. They know God's justice, require, they know God's justice requires that those who do these things deserve to die, yet they do them anyway. Worse yet, they encourage others to do them too. Now, if that doesn't sound like 2023, you have, must have buried your head in the sand and not paid any attention. Because it is vividly apparent that we are living in this kind of culture. Wouldn't you say? Right? And not only living in the culture, but man, it's, it feels like it's moving at light speed. It's increasing. It's increasing. But the greatest thing about it is God still reigns. Right? So he can look at it and just go, yeah, you think you're gaining, you think you're gaining, but you know what? Enemy knows that he's going to lose. But he's just trying to do whatever it is that he can do. And so it, this all happens because they decide that God is not a divine creator. We're going to do our own things because we can do it. And we just see the fruits of this created, right? The fruits of this false doctrine that, that is promoting this kind of this idea and so we see increasing, but I still think at the same time, like I've said just a few moments ago, there is still a remnant of God's people that are going to stand up and we're going to see the greatest end time revival ever happen in this day and age because God is on the throne. He is absolutely 100% on the throne. And To, to kind of take it a step further, we want to just real briefly look at a couple of things that are being, being taught in the educational system. The first is that all matter is, is eternal, or basically it's the theory of evolution. Now, the theory of evolution says the substance 
that makes up everything and everyone has always existed. However, right, over time, uh, through a process of, of chance, matter continues to evolve into this sophisticated and orderly life that uh, life forms that we know. Now, I got a problem with that too, because you know what? How come we haven't seen anything else evolve? Right? They say, oh, well, it started way, way back then and it evolved. Well, man, we've been alive for, for, you know, around for millions of years, and yet now there's no kind of growth process or change that is happening. Anyways, it's false. Okay, just so you know. Uh, second is all matter was spontaneous, known as the Big Bang Theory. Now, that's not the TV show. But it's called the Big Bang Theory. This theory produces that, uh, proposes that matter is not eternal, but that it is generated spontaneously. So there was a moment when there was no matter, and then in, in an instant, right, suddenly matter came into being. There was this big explosion in the sky, in the, in the heavens, and boom, everything came into being. Now, the problem with this, this is what's being taught in our classrooms, unless you homeschool, of course. Um, but they're not, they're not proven facts. They're theories, right? They're unproven assumptions based on kind of a generally accepted idea. And so we have to understand that. They're just theories. They're not facts. But our third one, um, I'm just going to say this, is not a theory, it's a fact. Okay, and that is, a, all matter was divinely created. Right? Creation teaches that matter or physical substance came into existence as a result of one who stands beyond matter and created it by calling it into existence. Now this is known as creationism or biblical theism. And we've already kind of introduced that in Genesis chapter 1, where it says, in the beginning, God. So, one of the things that we want to be able to do then is now process through kind of the, the possibilities uh, or, or the facts, right, of, of getting past these theories and being able to um, look at biblical creation uh, by God on, on three levels, okay? So the very first one is God is eternal. God is eternal. Now, let's go back to the first three words of Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, God created, or in the beginning. And in the Hebrew, in the beginning is the phrase, Rashith bara Elohim. And the Hebrew word for Rashith means the first, in place, time, order of rank. So in the beginning, it's not referring to time or space, Instead, it depicts that which is beyond time and space. So God existed in the beginning of everything. In the beginning of time, in the beginning of space, in the beginning of heaven, beginning of earth, beginning of all these things that were created in order. Therefore, we can say that the that, um, Say, the eternity of God refers to his existence backwards through time and beyond, further than you and I can imagine, and forward into the future as far as we can imagine, and beyond that, because God is what? Eternal. So God never had a beginning, and he will never have an ending. There wasn't ever a time that he was not. 
And there will never be a time where he will cease to be. Now, it's not something we can quite fully understand or comprehend. But let me tell you, I think this is great overall that we can't understand it. Right? Because I heard this one pastor say this. A God who is small enough to be understood isn't big enough to be worshipped. So it's okay if you don't quite got all the pieces together and it's all connecting. But the fact is, is that God is eternal. He is the eternal God. He was from the very beginning and He will always be to the very end. Psalms 145.3 says, Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised and His greatness is unsearchable. We can't know the greatness of God. But praise God we have the Holy Spirit that begins to teach us and begins to talk to us about God and begins to share things about God with us as we spend time in fellowship with Him. Isaiah 44.6 says, Thus saith the Lord, the King of Israel, and His Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first, I am the last, besides me there is no God. And then Isaiah 40.28 says, The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth. So Scripture gives us this picture that God is eternal. The second thing is God is the creator. Again, in the beginning, God created, right? And in that, that whole um, Hebrew vibe thing going on, Rashith bara Elohim, well, the word bara means to create, shape, or form something into existence out of nothing. So it's kind of blowing all the other theories out the door. Right? And, 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 and in doing some research too, this only, the, the, according to scholars, this word is only used in relationship to God. Not in any other context will you find it. Because we know that people create Right? We create many things out of pre-existing materials. Right? We, we, we create artwork. We create um, uh, um, sculptures or buildings. You know, things we create. But, but this creating is only made possible because God already created it. That's why we can hold on to that and be able to create because God already went ahead of it all and created it so that we could Go ahead and then create it. So he created this all out of nothing. Therefore, if we take the stance, right, and believe a lot like what the culture believes, right, then, then basically what we're saying is that God then couldn't have created the world out of nothing. And if God couldn't, didn't create the world out of nothing um, and, and, and made it out of existing matter, then you know what? The Bible becomes invalid. Genesis 1 becomes invalid. The whole Bible actually becomes invalid. Um, and so we can't go that direction, but let me, let me give you some scripture that just kind of prove otherwise, that, that that's, we can't believe that way. Uh, Exodus 20.11 says, For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested the seventh day. Psalms 8.3 said, When I consider your heavens the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained. I mean, think about that when you look up to the moon and the stars. Proverbs 8.26 
says, while as yet he had not made the earth or the fields or the primal dust of the world, when he prepared the heavens, I was there. That, talking about wisdom. When he drew Jesus. When he drew a circle on the face of the deep. When he established the clouds above. When he strengthened the mountains, the fountains of the deep. When he assigned uh, to the sea its limit. So that the waters could not transgress his command. When he marked out the foundations of the earth. Man, it's just laying out that these things happen. They occurred. This is true. God is the creator. Very last one on this one is Hebrews chapter 11, verse 3. It says, By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. Man, I love that. The, the world was framed by the word of God. And I always think back to the fact, so if God used his word to frame the world, then I can use God's word to frame my world. Right? I can frame my world because I can use God's word and be able to say, I thank you, Lord. I might be feeling sick. I might be, but you know what? Scripture tells me this by his stripes I am healed. Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospers. See, I can frame my world by the, by the word of God. It says, framed by the word of God, so that the things that are, uh, which are seen were not made of things which are visible. So these are only just a few scriptures. I mean, there, there's a ton more. But the Bible is just loaded with this reliability that we can trust the word of God. We can trust that he is the eternal um, creator. And our very last point is God is the sustainer of all. God is the sustainer of all. Again, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. See, God didn't complete uh, creation in a moment. In fact, what we just read, he, he was, gives us kind of a layered account of his, of his creating, his shaping, his fashioning of, of, of the world. All of this, his creation, all of this in a six-day period. Each day just kind of evaluating the process. And, and, and I love how it says, and it was good, right? Because God never creates anything bad. God only creates good. And he creates it and goes, hey, that's good. Man, what it would have been like to be an angel at that time, right? Sitting there going, wow, what is he? Oh, my God, look at that. Oh, wow. Right? I mean, it just would have been so exciting. I know I'm a little cheesy sometimes. Anyways, okay? But see, here's the deal. God, God didn't necessarily say now. And everything kind of appeared, you know, perfect and pristine. He didn't do it that way. God created the matter that he would use to create the universe. Then he proceeded again by the power of his spoken word to make and form and fashion and shape his creation, his design that he had in his heart. So God sustains all things in the universe. Let me give you some scriptures that go along with that. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3. This is in the Living Bible. God's Son shines out with God's glory, and all that God's Son is and does marks him as God. I love that. Right? Because people go, oh, well, there's God, and then there's you. No, man, they're three in one. They're all connected. 
It says he regulates, okay, or sustains, the universe by the mighty power of his command, by the word that he speaks. And what's so great about God is that he gives us his word to use that same word he spoke in Genesis, the same word that I bet you he spoke when Jesus was raised from the dead, he gave to us. And he says, it's up to you to use it. It's the power. The mighty power of his what? Command. Bible says that God's word does not return void. It goes out and does exactly what it's sent to do. So here, his word is, is making sure, putting all the physical laws that hold all the matter together working, right? His word is keeping the planets in their position and, and really kind of, I would even say, binding us on the earth, you know, keeping us all, so we're not floating away, right? But it's all sustained through Jesus. Colossians 1.17 says, He, that's Jesus, existed before anything else, and He holds all creation together. Right? This is just trying to give us some proof that He's the sustainer. So not only, what I love about this too, is not only that did God intricately and actively be involved in His creation, right? and He continues to do that today, but He also continues to... Um, be involved in your life. Right? He continues every day. Now, whether that means he's chasing you, right? Because you've kind of distanced yourself or whether, man, you just smack him and go, Daddy, I'm right here. Just love on me. He's after you. He's continually involved and engaged in wanting to be a part of the, the very thing he created in his image. All of you are created in his image. This is why David reveals this. This is our last scripture, I think. You're like, please. Psalms 139. It says, where can I go from your spirit? Now, I want you, to, I want you just to listen to this. And I want you to eternalize it as though it's your opportunity to think about how God is actively involved in your life. Where could I go from your spirit? Where could I run and hide from your face? If I go up to heaven, you're there. If I go down to the realms of the dead, you're there too. If I fly with wings into the shining dawn, you're there. If I fly into the radiant sunset, you're there waiting. Wherever I go, your hand will guide me. Your strength will empower me. Remember, personalize it for yourself. It's impossible to disappear from you or to ask the darkness to hide me for your presence is everywhere bringing light into my night. Wow. That is just amazing scripture. So even wherever you're at in that, I, I, I just challenge you, go home, take that scripture and personalize it because God wants to be and continually wants to be involved and engaged in every part of your life, in every detail. And, and, and even if you try to run from it, this scripture tells us he's there. And it's simply just, Daddy, 
I need you. I need Abba. Come, I just need you in my life. And man, you know what? He just, all right. I can see him rubbing his hands together. Let's go. You ever done that before? Rub your hand. Let's go. Let's go do. No? Okay. Anyways. So this all matters, wouldn't you say? I believe it does because the belief in God as an eternal creator, as the sainter of all life, really establishes the foundation for every single one of us in our life as we believe it. As we, 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 we process it and, and, and allow it to, to, to cons- be a part of our life in such a way that it's consuming. That, that allows us to be able to say, no, God, you are real. You're eternal. You are the creator. You are the sustainer of, of my everything. And if we, 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 we allow that to, to, to grip our life, to hold on to our life, then you know what? We won't fall into this Romans chapter 1 that I read about where we're just living according to whatever our desires are, whatever our flesh is. And so this morning, if you would go ahead and bow your heads for a second. And you might say, you know what, Pastor Scott, some of the stuff that you're saying makes sense. I, I can see it. Or maybe it doesn't even quite make sense, but man, there is something tugging on my heart for me to, to get my life in, in correct alignment with God, with Jesus, his son. And we know that the scripture says that Jesus said that I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And so this morning, I just want to give an opportunity if there's anybody in the house that either would say, yes, I want to make Jesus Lord of my life for the very first time, or you know what, I want to rededicate my life because, man, I have gone wayward. I've kind of slipped into Romans chapter 1, but I want to get my way out of Romans chapter 1. I want to give you that opportunity, but how I would love for you to do it, if you fall into the category of first-time salvation, then what I would love for you to do is just raise your hand up, visually look at me, keep your hand up, and visualize. We're going to bring a a gift to you. But then what we want to do is we want to pray with you. All of us pray with you to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And then if you... And if we see that, and then maybe there might be somebody here that says, no, I want to rededicate my life. We want to give you that opportunity as well. Same principle applies. So, if you would fall into that category that I want to give, give my life to Jesus for the first time, I would love for you to give that opportunity right now. Just raise your hand up, keep it up, and let us know. And then if there's anybody... It says, you know what? I want to rededicate my life to Jesus. Get myself out of Romans 1. And I want to give you that opportunity right now. So go ahead and lift your hand up if that's you. Find yourself. Praise God. Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit, 
We thank you for being here today and loving us so well. We thank you for the engagement that you've come and you've been working on our hearts and been working um, just in in situations that are even beyond this room right now in our lives. And I I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you will always have the answer. You will always have the direction. You will always lead us and guide us. And so, Holy Spirit, throughout this week, throughout this time, I thank you that you will speak loudly, (laughs) louder than we've ever heard it, about God's heart and desire for each one of us. I thank you, Holy Spirit, you speak our language. I might not hear it the way someone else hears it, but I thank you that you are able to speak multiple ways to multiple hearts all at the same time. And so whatever you, you are speaking, wanting to, I, I just pray right now that that would be an increase in the volume of that and that we would have hearts, ears to hear, spirits to hear, hearts to receive, and that we would walk from this day forward in obedience to that leading. I thank you for all that you're doing. I pray blessings upon each and every individual. And we love you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for more messages. If you like what you're hearing, share it with your friends. For more content from Lakeshore and information on services, check us out at lakeshorecf.com.